The following is a Bell to Bell B2B audio production. Bell to Bell is one of 50 plus trusted brands within the investor brand network, IBN. As a multifaceted financial news and publishing company, IBN uses its network of more than 5,000 key distribution outlets, as well as other corporate communication tools, to introduce public and private companies to a wide audience of investors, consumers, journalists, and the general public. Our reputation for highly efficient communication strategies is based on the experience and relationships our team has in the space. It is Investor Brand Network's unwavering commitment to connect the investment community with companies that have great potential and a strong dedication to building shareholder value. The following interview may feature a client partner of Investor Brand Network. IBN may have been compensated for the production of this interview. Please be sure to read our entire disclaimer for full disclosure. Thank you. And here today is your host, Thank you all for joining us for our interview with Greg Palmer. He is the vice president and host of Finnovate, which is a demo first showcase of the latest innovations in financial and banking technology with events held throughout the world. So Greg, your nine years, actually 10 now uh, with Finnovate has given you an incredible vantage point to see the ongoing innovations of FinTech. Let's start by talking about the shifts you've seen in the ecosystem post pandemic. How have the technologies you feature on your stage shifted since 2020? Sure. Well, first off, I'll say thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you. Um, and I really look forward to our conversation here. So, you know, you're, you're, there's obviously been a ton that's been happening in the fintech space over the past couple of years. It's no secret that 2020 really upended a lot of the aspects of our everyday life. The way that we engage with our finances is certainly up there. Um, from our part, you know, it's been really interesting to see the way the industry has shifted. If you look back at kind of 2017, 2018, 2019, um, from my perspective, what we saw was a lot of VC money getting thrown at companies that they thought were going to be the winners in the space. Um, and so what that meant was more money going after fewer companies. And we could sort of tell who was likely to become a winner in their space. And the venture capitalists were all kind of climbing all over themselves to get a part of those companies that they thought were going to be really successful. And a lot of them have gone on to be really successful. Um since 2020, it kind of created this reset point where, first off, there are a lot of problems that we needed to solve very urgently in the space. There were also a lot of, you know, kind of bigger picture pieces which people had wanted to change for several years, which they finally saw the opportunity maybe that they could do something. And so what that means is that we're seeing more early stage companies, again, more of these kind of younger companies. And we're also seeing a greater appetite on the part of the venture capitalists to engage with those early stage companies. So I can go into more detail about that if we want to, but really the, the big picture is, I think we're at this exciting time where there's gonna be a wave of new innovations that are gonna come through, a wave of new companies being founded. And of course, what that will ultimately mean is there's gonna be this new cycle where over the next five or six years, we're gonna see this really, a uh, congested field of new companies start to winnow down into a couple of new winners, the next generation of really big time fintech companies. And I'm really excited to see what happens. It's going to be a fascinating next five or six years. No doubt. What are the big themes you're seeing in fintech space right now? So I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, again, probably because of the pandemic, recognizing on the part of financial institutions that you have to go out and meet customers where they're at. 
Now, this was true in a very literal sense when people couldn't come into a bank branch and they were forced to engage with, you know, tablet, mobile, laptop, what have you. But now it's kind of becoming true more in maybe a metaphorical sense where there's a really strong desire on the part of financial services brands to go out and connect with people about something that matters to them instead of just saying, this is a service, does anybody want it? Which is, by the way, a gross oversimplification of what banks were doing. I don't mean to say that that was exactly how it was, but um, now we're seeing more companies who are recognizing, hey, what are you struggling with? How can we help you as an individual and this comes from a variety of reasons. The first is simply we have more data than we've ever had before. And that data tells us more about who our customers actually are. And so we can take that data, we can get to know the people on the other end, and we can provide a really personalized level of service, which was something that wouldn't have been possible even just a couple of years ago. So that access to a lot of data points is really important. We also have a lot of artificial intelligence tools, which can help create a uh, I don't want to say fictionalized, but create this kind of personalized experience that you uh, as a customer can enjoy from a financial brand. And then you also have this kind of you know, monster off in the distance that's slowly gaining ground on the industry, which is this threat that if you don't take care of your customers, if you don't understand them as people and aren't able to offer them what they need, they're going to get that from somebody else. There's a huge number of companies, you know, challenger banks, challenger fintechs coming into the space right now who are basically saying, I can get you a better experience. I understand you as a person more than your current financial services provider. And I can use that to help you have a better financial future. More and more people are looking for that from an end user standpoint out of their financial services companies. And more and more companies are saying, hey, we can provide this. This can actually be a competitive edge for us. And so that combination has meant, you know, this turn towards personalization really has some teeth to it now, instead of being something that we talk about or something that's, you know, we're going to change the way your homepage of the app looks. So it says, hi, Greg, and maybe has your favorite color in the background. Now we can actually start to understand your financial needs and give you something that's going to really help meet those needs. So that's, I think, what's really exciting about this moment that we're in right now, as opposed to even just a couple of years ago. Absolutely. And just kind of on that note of challenges, uh, obviously competition is always increasing and people are looking for an edge. There have been some really high profile layoffs and budget yeah. cuts among fintech companies, you know, over the past year. Or so um, what does that mean about the health of the industry as a whole? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, I think we, anybody in the industry, you know, people, you know, companies, um, you have relationships with people and you hear the horror stories and um, my heart goes out to people who find themselves in the position of being laid off or in the unenviable, unenviable position of having to actually do the laying off. It's, it's obviously a really painful situation. You know, I've talked to a couple of people about what this says about the greater need or the larger ecosystem. And I think there's a couple different ways that you can think of it. One of them is that there's it's kind of just a natural part of the growth cycle for a startup company, especially companies who in you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 were able to get gigantic amounts of venture capital. We had companies raising massive Series C, Series D rounds. And what the a lot of those companies did was take that money and turn it straight into staffing. We're gonna just grow. We're gonna ramp up our teams and try and get as much as we can built. And what happens when you grow that quickly, you can't be as strategic about how exactly you're growing. And you kind of take a shotgun approach where you're going to throw up a lot of different ideas, see what sticks. And then after you've been able to do that, 
the sort of natural back end of that process is kind of scaling down those areas that maybe didn't have the results that you would have wanted. And so I think this is one of those places where to some extent, the high valuations, the really high levels of VC funding that were going into companies a couple of years ago created a false sense of how well some of those companies were actually doing. Now we're in a situation where a lot of the venture capitalists that I'm talking to are placing a greater emphasis on profitability and especially getting to profitability sooner, which is not something that you necessarily would have talked about as much a couple of years ago. People thinking, well, we can afford to carry, um, you know, go be uh, not profitable for a little bit longer, hoping for that hockey stick growth at the end. Um, now we're seeing venture capitalists kind of demanding more profitability for a lot of these companies who are beholden to their venture capitalists. What that means is you can either dramatically increase your sales, increase your revenue, or you have to try and find a place to cut costs. And so I think that's kind of where you see a lot of that happening. Now, my hope is that a lot of the people who find themselves in that position of having been laid off are able to go out and start their own companies. We're going to see hopefully a recycling of some of that talent into some new ideas. We saw this a lot in 2009, 2010, a lot of people who found themselves out of work had this intimate knowledge of where there were inefficiencies, where there were holes in the technologies that they'd been working on, and they use that to create companies. So I certainly hope we see something along those lines again, because obviously there, it, there is a lot of talent that's kind of sitting on the sidelines right now. And I really hope that talent comes back and is able to do something productive. And, and I suspect it will. Yeah. And I know that you interview a lot of venture capitalists in the fintech space for the Finnovate podcast. What are you hearing about how the venture capital ecosystem will look like in 2023? Yeah, so it's a really good question. I think there are a lot of different metrics that people look at when they think about you know, what's venture capital in fintech doing. And the easiest number to wrap your head around is how much money is going into the space. And I think it's pretty widely documented that the amount of funding going into the fintech space is slowed, right? It's not up to the same levels that we would have seen, you know, again, 2019. But at the same time, the flip side of that and the metric, which is maybe a little bit harder to capture, how many new companies are getting funded? Because what we're seeing and what a lot of the venture capitalists that I'm talking to are, are seeing is more prospecting, smaller rounds going out to more companies. And again, like I was just saying, that, that money comes with maybe more strings attached than it did you know, five years ago in terms of we need you to show a return on this investment a little bit more quickly, you know, demonstrate that you can get to profitability a little bit more quickly. But one of the things that we started doing last year, we had a new uh, program called Startup Booster at our events where we were letting really early stage companies come in and kind of pitch themselves to venture capitalists. We had really strong VC interest in those sessions. We had a lot of VCs coming, actively participating, and we actually had to kick people out a couple of times over the past year, because that was the session that kind of continued to just run organically. So there's an appetite on the part of venture capitalists to find those new companies, those new good ideas, to throw a little bit of money at them. And I think we're gonna see you know, the total dollar amount start to ramp up again. But until that point, I suspect there's gonna be more companies getting a piece of that pie, and then they'll all have the opportunity to prove that they're worthy of you know a series B or a series C down the road. So. Um, maybe this is a good thing for the industry as well, getting a lot of venture capital in the hands of some early stage companies just sort of saying, hey, what can you do with this? I think will be good for the industry 
because it really will allow good ideas to kind of grow from what we're seeing right now. And it doesn't take a huge amount of venture capital to kind of get that proof of concept going to a point where you can start to say, okay, these ideas look like they're going to be really interesting ones. And then the venture capitalists will probably start to throw greater money again at those companies that look like they're rising towards the top. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. What kind of innovations do you expect to see more of at Finnovate based on where you're seeing the VC money going? Yeah, well, I think there are a lot of different places where there are problems. And anytime there's problems, there are going to be uh, companies, innovators who are trying to work on it. Um, personalization, I think, is one area which is going to continue to be a really hot topic, as I mentioned earlier. One of the more interesting ones that I expect to see a lot more of is this idea of banking as a service. This idea that, you know, a lot of companies are prohibited from offering financial services because they aren't regulated entities. But now we're seeing licensed financial institutions teaming up with fintechs more regularly to offer a new kind of bank or maybe a bank geared towards a new group of people. And so that's going to really do a lot of interesting things to the ecosystem because a lot of community banks and credit unions who are struggling maybe to retain some of their members um, are looking at fintech partnerships as a way that they can grow beyond their geographical boundaries. And certainly tech companies who want to be able to offer banking services are looking at this as a way that they can get into that space as well. So that's going to be a really interesting one to pay attention to. I think the other one that we're going to keep seeing a lot of is this idea that the way that we have kind of engaged with our finances as end users has been a little bit difficult, a little bit off-putting for some people. And we're going to see, I think, a lot of effort spent on making the financial services space a friendlier space, a space that feels more inclusive, where people can get more information out of it, particularly people who are kind of outside this bubble of people who traditionally have been served by the financial services industry. If you are an individual with a net worth or have over $100,000 invested, you can get the advice that you need. Somebody will raise their hand and say, hey, let me help you. I can absolutely tell you what you should be doing with that money. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to figure out how can I grow you know, $500 in savings, how can I start to build something? This is where it's traditionally been difficult to get good advice. You can read books, you can find resources online, but now we're starting to see more tools where people recognize these are customers who could turn into really profitable customers down the road with a little bit of advice. And so we're gonna see more and more people looking to, I think, lend, productively to people who have been you know, unbanked or underbanked before, looking to help people establish credit, get out of debt, things like this that really, I think, will have a huge impact on our society as a whole if we're able to do this well. Um, so that's, again, an area where I think there's just a lot of promise. And for my part, you know, the bigger we can grow the tent, the better. The more people we can bring into the financial services space, the better. And there is going to be a really significant financial reward for the companies who are able to do that effectively. Yeah, partnerships are, are definitely important to accelerate growth. And I know you also talk to a lot of bankers, so maybe we'll just shift gears a little bit. Uh, what do you think are the biggest priorities for that group when it comes to new technologies? Yeah, well, bankers have a, a tough road to walk at the moment because you know, I think it's it's been pretty, again, widely documented. There are a lot of bank branches that are closing. There are some banks that are closing altogether. Um, and, and so there's this real battle right now, this sort of fight for relevancy, this fight to maintain the customers that you have. 
And there's also a really significant problem that a lot of financial institutions have, which is they've got older customers and they're struggling to engage with younger customers. So there's about to be over the next, I don't know, I'm not a demographic expert, but let's call it 10 years. There's going to be a massive transfer of wealth from kind of the baby boomer generation to their children as you know, the, the cold reality is as people pass on and, and their kids take over those assets. And this question of what is that generation going to do with those assets is a really difficult one to answer. And it's one that I think is pretty scary to a lot of financial institutions. And so from that standpoint, what, what the financial institutions really have to do is make sure that they're attractive to new customers, to younger customers, um, and in order to do that, they have to engage with people in a way that I think recognizes those people as individuals, as I was saying earlier. And so from a bank's standpoint, um, getting new customers, getting younger customers in the door is really important. And then, of course, they're beholden to the same pressures as everybody else. A lot of them are looking to cut costs. There's always room for uh, an innovation that can make a bank operate more efficiently, that can make a bank safer, more compliant, you know, reduce exposure to risk. These are kind of ever-present fintech needs, but what's especially acute right now is really about going out and getting those new customers and making sure that the customers you are able to get are sticky, that you keep them and that you stay top of wallet. So I think that's where we see a lot of companies, a lot of banks in particular, coming to Finnovate and looking for the innovators who can help them do that. Um, and, and so you see a lot of innovators then chasing that space as well, because they don't know that's what the banks want. And ultimately, I think this is going to push us in a really good direction, although there probably will be some painful moments on the way. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And as far as other opportunities, what else are you seeing right now? Well, I think the biggest opportunity right now is that there's room for wide open thinking. I think one of the things that the pandemic has really done is it spurred innovation in a way that was really difficult to think about even just a couple of years beforehand. You know, a lot of financial institutions were tentative to some extent to really engage with new tech solutions. A lot of their customers were tentative to engage with new tech solutions. Now we're seeing a situation where it's easier for banks to get involved with tech. They're more, they're more of a drive to do that. Um, and the, when you kind of couple that with the idea that there's going to be a lot of talent that's kind of looking for something new, I think we're going to see a creative phase here. We're going to see some really interesting ideas, maybe some potentially off the wall ideas, mm -hmm. some things that it might be difficult to figure out you know, what exactly is you know the business case there. But I think really this is a time where it's, it's a good idea to think big because over the next five or 10 years, the way that we think about banking in general is really poised to shift dramatically as customers get more of their financial services needs met by different companies, by online companies. Um, and so you think that this is a moment where if you've got a crazy idea, now's the time to bring it forward. You can find more traction for it. You can find more talent out there. You can get yourself a little bit of venture capital funding to kind of see if your idea has merit. Um, and, and I really hope that people embrace that because I think what we've needed in fintech for the last couple of years, maybe five or six years, is some more out-of-the-box ideas, some more new thinking, some things that are really going to change the game. So that's what I hope we see. And I hope that there are people out there who have good ideas because we love to see them at Finnovate. Our audience loves to see them. But ultimately, that's what drives the industry forward. That's what pushes people to do more, to take things further. And you never know what you might think of that could turn into something 
something which 20 years from now, you, you can't remember doing anything differently than how you do it. So this is a moment to, I think, get something like that off the ground. If anybody has any brilliant ideas or even just maybe slightly weird ideas, let's hear them. This is the time. Yeah. What would be a good way of getting in contact with you and your team? So I think the best way is obviously come to Finnovate, right? I think that we're, we're you know where to find us. Finnovate.com has all of our upcoming shows. We've got Finnovate Europe coming up in London in March. Finnovate Spring in May in San Francisco, and then Finnovate Fall in New York in September. I host all of those shows. If you ever need to know where I am at any given moment, well, on one of those show days, I'm never far from the stage, so you can always find me then. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn or reach out to me, greg at finnovate.com. Always happy to hear ideas, and we're always looking for new companies to put up on our stage. And if you're somebody who's interested in joining us, um, by all means, come see what the future holds. We've got a great new group of companies who are going to grace our stage in 2023, and we'd love to have you be a part of it and see them all for yourself. Awesome. Well, it's really amazing when you think about how far fintech has come in the past decade, and hearing your perspective on the future is incredibly insightful for obvious reasons. Uh, we've always enjoyed working with you and your team as a media partner at each of the Finnovate events over the past few years. And I can't wait to get this out to our subscribers. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, man, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it as well. And we appreciate partnering with you guys too. Um, it's really worked well for us. So um, anything I can do to, to help you all out, I'm always happy to. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. So great to hear. We'll catch you next time. This audio production is an original broadcast provided by Bell to Bell B2B and all rights are reserved. B2B is your primary destination for informative updates and exclusive interviews with executives operating in fast-moving industries. We make market hours more informative with deep dives into the stocks on our watch list and in-depth examination of the trends guiding North American markets forward. Bell to Bell is another trusted brand under the Investor Brand Network, IBN. IBN may receive payments for corporate communication relations, as well as various press releases and social media solutions provided to its client partners. You should assume that officers and directors of IBN or financial analysts mentioned hold a position in and may intend to trade the securities for their own accounts. This interview is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be or should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, investment in the featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This audio interview by IBN is not purported to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used in statements of fact have been obtained from featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by IBN as to completeness and accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. Please see our full disclaimers and disclosures at investorbrandnetwork.com.